We are continuing our series today called The Everyday Church. This is really a continuation of uh, a follow-up to Vision Day, and on Vision Day where we talked about moving from the Sunday church to becoming the everyday church. And our word for this year is this word engage. So I want you to turn to somebody wherever you are gathered in your neighborhood gathering and tell them it's time to engage. It is time to engage. So we talked about this idea that, hey, how do we move from passive observers to passionate followers? And there's these eight key practices. We call them our eight core practices. And these eight core practices are what help move us from passive to passionate. And we've been talking about these over the last few weeks. And here they are. The first one is daily devotions. We talked about that in week one. And we talked about how you, you need to cultivate the soil of your soul. And, we, and then we talked about sacrificial serving. The sacrificial serving is there's intersections are not an inconvenience. They are an opportunity. And, and then we talked about continual surrender, that giving up my way requires continual surrender to God's way. And then last week, my really good friend, Jason Law, did a tremendous job talking about sharing Christ and how God's purpose and plan is you. You are one of the few. Come on, turn to somebody in your gathering and tell them that. You are one of the few. You are one of the few. So there's these eight practices And if we will live out these practices, we'll go from passive to being passionate, which is what we all desire. Like you're here watching today because you don't wanna be passive. You're wanting to be passionate. But let's just be honest. When you're watching and doing church online, if you got kids, they're running around, they're going crazy. And I don't know, maybe you're on your treadmill or maybe you're laying in bed. I don't know what you're doing, but it's easy in this past year. Come on, it's easy just to become passive towards the things of God. But God wants us to be passionate. So today, we're gonna be talking about engaging with 12, engaging with 12. We're looking at the ministry and the life of Jesus, how Jesus engaged with one, engaged with three, engaged with 12, and and engaging with one another. What does that look like? And what did it look like in Jesus' life to engage with 12? He had his 12 disciples. So today, we're gonna talk about this core practice of persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. So if you have the scriptures, go, go to Luke chapter 22. Okay, Luke is, and if you're new to church and you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We'll put some of the scriptures today up for you so you can see those. But in Luke chapter 22, if you're new to, uh, to the Bible, new to church, Luke was not one of the disciples. He was a follower of Jesus, and he really was kind of a disciple of the disciples. He uh, he was under them, and he listened to them. He heard all the stories, and he went around and wrote down all the accounts of Jesus' life, and that's where we have this detailed account that Luke has given to us. And in Luke chapter 30, uh, excuse me, Luke 22, Jesus is about to be betrayed uh, over to the Romans and about to be crucified. And, and he goes uh, from the, the la- what we know as the Last Supper. The disciples did not know that. They didn't call it that, but that's why we call it, because it was the final time he would eat with his disciples. And we read this in Luke chapter 22 and verse 39, where Jesus goes to pray. And it says this, Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room, and he went as usual to the Mount of Olives. And there he told them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He walked away about about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed. This is a prayer we're going to be looking at today. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. 
Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Now, let me just say this real quick. When you hear that, you go, wait, this, this, how, why was he in great agony and grief? Like, he's God, but let's not forget, he was also fully human. So he, he, he understands what we go through, and he experienced everything that we experienced as humans, God in the flesh. At last he stood up again, he returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, but they were exhausted from grief. Why were they exhausted? Because they were watching They were watching the Messiah, they were watching their rabbi, they were watching their teacher, and they saw what agony and grief he was experiencing, and it was coming upon them. You know, kind of like... Um, when you see a family member or somebody you love and they're going through a difficult time and you can feel that when they're going through a loss and you feel that, that's what's happening with the disciples here. He said, why are you sleeping? He said, get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Let's pray as we talk about prayer. Father, in the few moments we have together today, would you help us? Would you speak to us? We want to learn how to pray. We want to understand what it means to persist in prayer. In Jesus' name and in your gathering, will you say amen? Well, yesterday I got outside. I was enjoying the weather. It's hard to believe that just a couple of weeks ago, we were in the winter storm of winter storms. And the, the crazy temperatures of below zero that we've never experienced. We had ice, and then we had snow, and then we got a little reprieve, but it was below zero, and then we got more snow. That was just crazy. I don't know how you dealt with all that, but when we got after that second snow, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I've got to get out. I've got to get to the office. And so I decided to go out and, and come to the office. And, and when I did, the roads were um, in great shape. I mean, they, they, they did a fantastic job here in Broken Arrow. But as I came to the church office, what I wasn't thinking about was that the, the parking lot at the church had not been plowed. So it was ice and snow and snow on top of that, okay? And what I also didn't anticipate as I started to pull into the parking lot was when they plowed the streets of all the snow, it piled up a nice little snow bank right there at the entrance to the church. So as I was starting to pull in, I realized I'm not going to make it. I better gun it. And so, because <laughs> that's how I roll. So I just gunned it. And when I hit that snow bank, I thought it was going to, I thought I was going to rip the front bumper off of my car. But I made it through it. And then I got into the snow and it was deep and it was slow going. And I barely made it to the office. And when I got into the office, I realized that Pastor Eric, a lot of you know Pastor Eric, he was going to be coming behind me because we were going to be having a meeting together. And I realized that, you know, he's, he's got a car that's made for these conditions, a Toyota Camry. Come on, somebody. <laughs> the best car for these kinds of conditions. And I thought, oh, man, he's not going to make it. So I, I texted him. And I said, hey, when you, when you get to the office, you're going to have to gun it. And, and just follow my tracks, or you're not going to make it. And, uh, and I didn't hear back from him. And then the meeting was supposed to start, and he wasn't there. And about 20 minutes later, he comes walking in, giant snow boots, covered in snow, breathing, breathing hard, and he's just looking at me like, <sighs> he, he hit the snowbank right there at the entrance to the church, and then he made it about another six feet and completely buried his Camry. No way he was gonna get it out. And I had to hike to the office, which is like, I don't know, three or four football fields away from the entrance. 
<laughs> so I told him we got a decision to make. You know, we can, we can either wait a couple of days because it's supposed to, uh, you know, the sun's supposed to shine and it should melt off and they're also going to come plow the parking lot or we could do what real men do. Let's go dig that bad boy out. So we did. We went to dig that thing out. And so had a couple of snow shovels and went to dig the thing out. And it was, when I say it was buried, if this was the hood of the car, it was snow was over the top of the hood of the car. It was buried, okay? So we dig this thing as much as we can. We're digging and we're, we're trying to push and it's not going anywhere. We can't get any traction. And so we're digging some more and then we're pushing and we can't get traction. The wheels are spinning. You know the drill. You've probably done this yourself. And then we look underneath the car and the, the snow's just packed underneath the car, and we're just, we're exhausted, but we're like, we're, let's just, let's get this thing out of here. So we're digging all the snow out, and digging and digging some more. Finally, we see that we got enough traction. It looks like we're gonna be able to make it out. Now he's gotta go in reverse out onto Aspen, okay? So here was our plan. <laughs> Here's our plan. I said, when the traffic clears, I'm gonna push, and you gun it. <laughs> <laughs> Not a great plan. So the traffic cleared enough. I, I pushed. He gunned it, got the traction. He's flying towards the street, and he hit the bank of snow that the snow plow had plowed up and boom, down in the snow again. In fact, I, I don't even, they may have already shown the picture. I don't know if they showed the picture or not, but this is a picture right here. Look at this. This is Pastor Eric. Two feet from freedom. Two feet. That's all we need. Two more feet. And look how clear, I mean, blue skies, clear streets, safe going. I think that is a picture of persistent prayer. That's what persistent prayer is. Digging and pushing and digging and pushing and not getting any traction and spinning your wheels, but going, you know what? No, I'm gonna dig some more. I'm gonna dig some more. I'm gonna push some more. I'm gonna dig some more. I'm gonna push some more. And you're exhausted and you're worn out and you're frustrated, but you're saying, no, I'm gonna keep, I'm, I don't care. I'm gonna keep digging. I'm gonna keep pushing. I'm gonna keep trusting. I'm gonna keep believing. And then you, you ever get there? You get some traction. You know what I'm talking about? You get traction. You're like, I got this. And then whoom, you get bogged down. Like you're two feet from the answer. Two feet from the answer and you just aren't quite there. We see this picture here in Luke 22 of exhaustion. Jesus has gone with his disciples to pray in the garden. He's about ready to betray, be betrayed and go to the cross and he tells his disciples to pray and he goes to pray by himself and when he comes back he finds them asleep. Not once, not twice, but three times and the scripture tells us they were exhausted. They were worn out. And at the end of this time of prayer, Jesus says this in verse 46, get up and pray. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, get up and pray. Get up and pray so that you do not give in to temptation. Listen, we've all been there. We've all faced the temptation to give up. We've all been exhausted and we wanna give up and we wanna give in. And I believe what God is wanting to say to you and he's wanting to say to me today is this, don't give up, get up and pray. Come on, turn to somebody in your gathering and tell them don't give up, get up and pray. Don't give up, get up and pray. So how do you persist in prayer though? 
How, how do you pray when you don't feel like praying, when you're wore down and you're exhausted? Well, I believe Jesus gives us some answers here. Let's go back to the scriptures in the story. In verse 39, it says this, then accompanied by his disciples, so he's on his way to pray, Jesus left the upstairs room and say it with me, he went as usual to the Mount of Olives. Listen, the, the New American Standard translation tells us that prayer was, it says, as was his habit. So prayer was a habit for Jesus. We don't talk a lot about this, but you see it all over the gospels. Jesus was constantly going off to pray somewhere. It was a habit for him. Here's the thing, we all have habits, don't we? I mean, good habits, bad habits, but habits are kind of instinctive, they're intuitive. You, you do them without thinking. Like you got up today and you, you combed your hair, you brushed your teeth, or I don't know, or maybe you're not quite there yet. <laughs> maybe you're still laying in bed. But you know, that's a habit, you're, you do it without thinking. You brush your teeth, you comb your hair, you know, unless you have kids. If you have kids, if, do you have little ones? You know this, you know this trauma, don't you? Like, you, when kids, they don't have the habit. You gotta teach them the habit. I remember my kids when they were growing up and they'd be ready to leave and go, for, go to school. I'd look at them and I'd go, hey, did you brush your teeth? They'd be like, yes, dad, I brushed my teeth. I'd say, breathe on me. Yeah, go back. Or I'd do the scrape test. Yeah, yeah, go back. Go back and brush again. Here's the thing about prayer. Prayer, when you are a mature believer in Christ, prayer is a habit. Prayer is something you do instinctively. But how often do we wait until a crisis to start praying? I can tell you the time to prepare for a crisis is not when you're in the middle of a crisis. We all saw this during the, during the winter uh, cold snap. We all saw what happened in Texas. Oh my goodness, people were burning their furniture. What is that? You're burning your furniture? What are you? Go get that Ikea bookcase, honey. We need to stay warm. At least get the pieces we couldn't figure out what they were. I mean, what is that? They're burning. Why? Because they weren't prepared. I mean, let's just be honest. If, if we'd had an extended power outage, we probably have been burning furniture too. Because I mean, we're not prepared. Like, think of it. The time to go get a shovel is not in the middle of the storm. Did you try to go get some, some salt? Not gonna find any. Did you try to get some firewood? You're not, you're not gonna find any because that's not the time. Prayer, prayer is preparation. That's what prayer is. Prayer is preparation. It prepares me for the crisis that will come in life. We see an example of this in Genesis chapter 41. Genesis 41, Pharaoh has this crazy dream. He doesn't understand what it is. So he goes and he gets Joseph because Joseph can interpret dreams. And Joseph tells him, oh, this dream, for seven years, there's gonna be plenty. It's, you're gonna prosper. But then there's gonna be seven years of famine. So Pharaoh sees that Joseph has wisdom. He makes him second in command. He says, you be in charge of all this. So Joseph spends seven years during the time of plenty gathering as much grain as he possibly can. And when the, when the famine hits, those seven years, they had all that they needed because Joseph had prepared. This is what prayer does. Don't pray just during the crisis. You need to pray before the crisis because prayer is preparation. You, you are storing up power. You are storing up confidence. You are storing up tenacity so that you can make it through the crisis. Think about it. Last year at this time, everybody was praying. I mean, cats and dogs and birds and squirrels, everybody was a praying because we knew we needed to pray. But, but how many kept praying? How many were praying before the pandemic hit? 
I can tell you this, those that were praying before and those that continue to persist in prayer, they are the ones who have the most confidence. They're the ones who find strength. They're the ones who have the power. They're the ones whose shoulders are squared. They're the ones that aren't stressed out and worried and freaking out because they know that God is going to bring them through this. Don't give up. Get up and pray. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them again. Don't give up. Get up and pray. So for Jesus, prayer was a habit, but it was also something he did often with his disciples. Look at verse 39. It says he was accompanied by the disciples. Who's accompanying you on your journey? If you're gonna, if you're gonna move from passive to passionate, you've gotta engage with 12. You, you've gotta engage with 12 in persistent prayer. This is what I love about our core groups. I mean, all throughout the entire pandemic, you've been in a core group and you've been talking to people. And when you're in a core group and when you're in the middle of all that's happening right now, you know, I am not alone. I get with these people, whether that is online or I get with them in person, I know we're gonna pray together. I might get a little discouraged, I might get a little down, but those people are gonna lift me up. They're praying for me, they're praying with me. In fact, we don't just do it on the nights we gather. Man, I love how I hear our core groups, they're texting one another throughout the week, calling one another throughout the week. How you doing? I love that because you gotta persist in prayer with people. We're gonna talk about that next week. We got this core practice of godly friendships. I can't wait for you to hear about that and how vital and critical that is in your life. So, so Jesus has a habit of praying. He prays with others, but he also used prayer to align himself with the Father. Look at the prayer in verse 42. He says this, look, he says, he says, Father. Father. In other words, he is submitting himself to the authority of the Father. He knows that God is his father, but he knows God is his father. He's also saying, listen, I know who you are, and I know that you love me. So God is, that's where we got to start, on coming under the authority of God, and, but also recognizing, you know, I come under his authority because he loves me. And then Jesus says this. He says, if you're willing, I, what I love is what we're going to see here in this prayer. He says, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering from me. Jesus pleads with the Father in prayer. Did you know you can plead with God in prayer? Do you know that God's okay with you coming to him and pleading, of, of, of telling God, this is what I'm going through, this is how I'm struggling? He wants to know how you're feeling. But then Jesus says this, yet, come on, somebody say yet, yet, I want your will to be done. What, say it with me, not mine. Man, it, it is tax season, and I can tell you this, I do not have math skills. Like, in fact, Laura and I, neither one of us are blessed with mad math skills. So I've, I thank God for technology because uh, through technology, my, my uh, bank account can get reconciled without my help because it needs a lot of my help. So I, I don't do my taxes. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, oh, ah, I'll do my own taxes. Okay, good for you, good on you, but I don't wanna get audited. So I know that ain't my game. I'm not good at it. I don't understand. There's way too many numbers, way too many letters. You got the 1099, 1040, you got the EZ, you got the ER, you got the GED, you got the ZZ top. You got all these different numbers. I don't know what's going on. So I hire a professional. I pay for, I'm gonna pay, I, I, I am gonna hire a professional that knows what they are doing. Listen, when you think about prayer, 
Think about this. You have access to the creator of heaven and earth. You have access to the one who knows it all, who sees it all. Why in the world would we say, yeah, you know, I think I got this. Why? Man, go to the one who knows. Go to the one who sees. Go to the one who loves you. Because prayer is this. Prayer is aligning my ideas, my will, my agenda with God's will and saying your will be done because you know better than me, you see more than me, you got a better plan than me, I'm gonna trust in you. And that's honestly, I think that's easy to do when you understand that the Father loves you. When you know God cares about you, when you know he wants the best for you, when you know that he's watching over you. And here we see that he saw Jesus in his distress. Yet Jesus had to drink from the cup of suffering. Now this is interesting. The father had him drink from the cup of suffering. This was not, an, this was not a cruel act. This was not the, the act of a sadistic father. This was actually the act of a loving father and a loving son. The father willing to give his son. The son willing to give his life for all humanity. In this life, you are going to face a cup of suffering. Many of us already have. Maybe it's the death of a dream. I thought, man, I was gonna do this and this is gonna happen and it's not happening. Maybe it's uh, the death of a relationship. You, you said I love you and, and they said I love you and then suddenly, they said, I don't love you, and they, they walked out, and you saw the death of a relationship. Some of you have seen the death of a business over the past year. Some of you have suffered the death of a friend, a good friend, or you've suffered the death of a family member. God understands. We all have to drink from the cup of suffering. God understands. Isaiah 53 shows us that Jesus was a, a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with deepest grief. I want you to think of it like this. Jesus went before you in suffering, and he made a way for you to rise up from the ashes. Don't give up. Get up and pray. Look at verse 43. Then an angel from heaven appeared, and say it with me, wherever you are, and what? Strengthened him. You ever been bone tired? You know what I'm talking about? Like, where you're so exhausted, you sit down, and you're just like, you melt into the chair. You're like, I, oh. And you know what I'm talking about? Like, where you just feel so good. Like, you're sitting in that chair, and you know, you know you shouldn't fall asleep in that chair, but you're so tired, you can't get up. But you're like, oh. And then you, 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 you fall asleep. Is that not the best sleep ever? It's like, but it's the best worst sleep ever, isn't it? Because you know, if you get up later, you're gonna pay the price for it. You have to will yourself out of that chair. Listen, I know for some of you, you are bone tired. You've been praying, you've been persevering. You're just like, I don't think I can carry on much longer. I, what does it matter? This is what I want you to know today, if that's you. God did not abandon Jesus 
in his darkest hour, and he does not abandon you. No, he is present in all suffering. Just as he went through suffering and made a way, he is present in our suffering. He is with us, giving us his love and his comfort. He's giving us his strength and his power. He's, he's there giving us healing and that healing balm over us. I think we've all been um, mesmerized by the Mars rover. It's crazy that we've landed on Mars. Is that not bizarre to anyone else? Like, in our lifetime, we're, we're on Mars. And I love the name of the Mars rover. It's called Perseverance. Perseverance, such a perfect name. Do you know how long it took for the Mars rover to get there? Seven months. Seven months, 144 million miles. How do you, how do you go from dot to dot? Like, 144 million miles. How did they do that? And then I looked it up, and I said, Oh, Google Maps. I didn't know that. They said, <laughs> no, they did not use Google Maps. Some of you are like, really? They used Google Maps for that? No. But it's amazing to think about. Seven months, $144 million. Somehow they went from dot to dot. Some of you are really discouraged right now. Frustrated. As I said, you're wanting to give up. Your answer feels like it's 144 million miles away. Listen, I don't know when, I don't know how. It might be like the, the Mars rover, it, it might be seven months, or it might be like Joseph, it might be seven years, but God is going to get you all the way there, all the way to the answer all the way through the struggle, all the way through the suffering. Jesus went through the suffering all the way to a resurrection and God will get you all the way to a resurrected new life. Persevere, persist in prayer. Don't give up. Get up and pray.